2: This award-nominated program brought to you by Mercedes-Benz. Innovation runs in the family. Intelligence runs in the family. Extraordinary runs in the family. Mercedes-Benz range of SUVs. Every member waiting to impress. Learn more at mbusa.com. Play of the day coming up. Stat of the day as always. I've been talking about this. How many players are scoring at least 30 points in games this year? 18 players scored 30 or more points on Sunday. That's the most 30-point games in one day in NBA history. That broke the record. And that record was set last month of 16.
0: Yes, Paul? Is there more to it than just three-point shooting is up? And I looked at it, like, uh, teams are shooting 22-23. The the entire league average from three is 36%, which is pretty good. But there's been other years. 2009, the league average was 36%. But in 2009, players are, you know, the average shots per game was 18 threes attempted. Now it's 34 threes attempted. But the past couple years, it's been 32, 33, 34, But the percentage is better, isn't it? Not really. It's... There's been good years and bad years. It's about the same. It's about 36, 35.5%. But the attempts are way up. But, you know, attempts were up a couple years ago. But why is this year different? It feels like there's something different about this year with overall scoring. And it's not just
2: threes. Well, if you're looking at three-pointers made, three-pointers attempted, this year you have 34 uh, three-pointers attempted. And they make 12. 2019, 34 and 12. Uh, 2018, 32 and 11 and a half. Uh, 2021 was 34 and almost 13. They're just taking more threes. Where if you look back, they're making probably five more threes per game. Now, you're getting teams that are averaging. Teams yesterday in their games averaged, I think, over 120 points per game. Is that good? That's what we want. We want more offense. We want it in the NFL. We want it in the NBA. Baseball. You know, they think there's going to be more runs scored. Batting averages are going to go up. Everything's going to be great. More offense, more offense, more offense. I don't mind more offense. It's how we get to more offense. You know, you look back at hockey. The New Jersey Devils were really successful playing defense. They'd score a goal, and then they would, you know, depend on uh, Marty Brodeur just to play great defense, and that was it. And then they opened up hockey to get more scoring in there. Baseball, I'm going to throw it, you swing and hit a home run. That's baseball. Basketball, you're shooting threes. You take them, and, and it's the same. I don't know, it's not the same ratio, but if you look at the percentage of you know, guys who are trying to swing for home runs, hit a home run, or strike out, I don't know if the percentage is anywhere near what you have with shooting threes in the NBA because they take them and it doesn't mean that they're going to make them, but they continue to take them. Yeah, Paul,
0: I found a couple stats that even says there are people we were taking shots deeper into the shot clock this year. So it's not like the game is running and gunning mm. and, and up, but they're saying it's ball dominant guards are shooting more and the best players are shooting more. So like Luka Doncic is taking more shots per game than the best player on the Mavericks a decade ago was. And their math says, this is uh, CBSSports.com, is that since the better players are taking more shots, more of those shots are going in. There's not a balanced scoring on teams, which helps the overall scoring.
2: By the way, the uh, Mavs and the Suns yesterday, this feels almost like WWE with uh, Devin Booker and Luka. Like they got in each other's faces, but nobody tried to break it up because they know they're not dumb enough to go, I'm going to throw a punch at you. It feels like, there's some jabbing going on. There's some trash talk going on, and I love it. You know, and it and it feels like they're they know it's a bit. You know, it's not like it's going to be. I'm you know I'm going to beat you up or we're going to get in a fight or anything. I'm going to play dirty on you. It just feels like those two are going at it every time they face each other. And by the way, Kevin Durant. Sometimes he just makes it look way too easy. He just does. You're watching and you're going, wow. It's simple, very, very simple. What he does here is Devin Booker on his uh, altercation. I'll put that in parentheses
3: with Luca. He said something to first. I responded, you know, you guys say you don't want everybody to be friendly, friendly. There you go. We we got some smoke.
4: Do you think that traces back to the playoffs last
3: year? Yeah, I mean, it's just two competitors going at it. Like I just said, you got everybody speaks on, you know, how friendly the NBA is now, and and don't like that, and you know, I have no problem with. Luca, um, on or off the court, but you know when we're competing, we're competing.
2: I love it. I'm okay with that. You know, I, I don't want something that's manufactured, but if it's real and they don't like each other, or they're just competing with each other. I'm fine with that. Uh, Dame had 41 Blazers with the win against the Magic, so that's 14 games of 40 or more points for Lillard, most in a single season in Blazer history. Uh, Giannis scored 23, handed out 13 assists, had 10 rebounds. That's his fourth triple-double of the season. Uh, Anthony Davis scored 39. Hey! Yay! 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 And the Lakers are 11-1 when Anthony Davis scores 38 or more points. You know, those are always interesting stats. So if I just said to Anthony Davis, hey, you just get down low and you keep shooting just so you get to 38 points, that doesn't mean you're going to win. It's like when, you know, when the, uh, the Rams rush for 100 yards, they're uh, 12 and0 this season. Well, if they just ran for 100 yards and that's all they had and no pass you know, completions, so it becomes skewed when you say, "Wow, Anthony Davis, why doesn't he score more? They always win. Here's the problem. It doesn't happen that often, and he doesn't play back-to-back games. His second consecutive game with at least 38 points there. All right, uh, went to a movie over the weekend, and uh, I'll let you guys guess. Now, this was not my suggestion, but it doesn't mean I didn't want to go. I'm going to put that out there. I don't want to put any blame on my wife, if you're going to read into it, that there's blame. Todd, I'll start with you. I'm sure you're not up on the movies that are at the theater now, but uh, I'll give you a first shot.
5: I, I
6: couldn't think of an exact name, but I thought it'd just see some kind of like romance, like some kind of romance novel turned into a movie kind of thing.
2: Mm. But you don't know the name. I don't know the yeah, name. Yeah, yeah. Probably not the best guy to go to with this. Seton O'Connor. Cocaine Bear. Cocaine Bear was suggested. That was not the movie. God. Marv?
6: Knock at the door?
2: Knock at the door. No. Paulie. Scream six? (laughs) You saw the first five. You don't be left out. Yeah, The movie that I went to see has a couple of Academy Award winners in it. I think. There's one Academy Award winner. There's an Academy Award winner. I think that actor has two Academy Awards. So it was Cocaine Bear. It was not Cocaine Bear. No. But I, I said to my wife, I'd like to see that in the theater. Ant-Man and the Wasp. Ant-Man, no. <sighs> 80 for Brady. Yeah! yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. Oh, no. Yes. Yeah.
2: <laughs> you got to clear stuff like this with me. Uh, oh, dear. I, I, you, you know what? Free your mind. The rest will follow. I, my, my wife goes, I'd like to see it. And I go, hon, I have to have a couple of beers before I go. <laughs> And and I did. I had a couple of beers. Uh, Sally Field, no S, uh, and Jane Fonda. Lily Rita Tomlin. Rita Moreno and Lily Tomlin. Yeah, yeah. And Tom Brady. Gronk's in there. Danny Amendola, Julian Edelman. And uh, we went to see the movie.
1: Sorry, ha-
2: Harry Hamlin side sign- Harry signing? Hamlin is in there. Good hair. Yes, Harry Hamlin hitting on Jane Fonda. And, uh, yeah. Yes, Paul.
0: Speaking of that topic, I'm going to beat Todd to the punch here. If you had to, who are you picking? Uh, or if the Optunia Rose. Brady. Oh, really? Out of the five, <laughs> yeah. not Amendola. It'd be Harry Hamlin. I- I'll tell you, Jane Fonda looked
2: pretty good in the trailer. She has uh, she's she's got a lot of wigs that she uses in there. Uh, Sally Field is great. Sally Field does a great job with her portion of the script. Wasn't my question. It was not. Um, hmm. There were not a lot a lot of laughs in it. But you would think there would be. Um, Brady, I thought, was okay. He had some funny things in there. Yes, Marv. Is it heartfelt if it's not funny? <laughs> it's, there is some, uh, there's some heartfelt moments that they're trying for. That uh, you know, someone you know, could have health issues there. And I'm not talking about Gronk.
0: Yes, Paul. I'm going to go on a limb here. Was there a scene where there's a lot of wine and the women are dancing? Ah, uh, there has to be.
2: No, I don't think so. <laughs> I, then you didn't see it. I I don't think that there was. They, like they got excited, <laughs> yeah. um, and and there was drinking involved. Mm-hmm. But I don't. There has to be a dance. There was a, a there was a, a scene in the movie on eating wings, hot wings, and that got no laughs. laughs? No, no laughs. No, on that? I, I I laughed a couple of times, but there were only. One, two, three. There were six other people. So there were eight people in the theater. And so, you know, when you try to open a beer in the theater and you're (gasps) you're waiting for the, there's some kind of noise or something. You brought? Yeah. Yeah. I had to to bring it. Oh, I brought it. Yeah. I had to have a beer. So (laughs) if
0: you got arrested somehow, I know, or, or got
2: kicked out. The
0: headline in the police blotter. Yeah.
2: Yeah. But I did buy popcorn. And if they had beer there, I would have bought a beer. But I brought a beer in, and then you are waiting for that. Okay, there is going to be something that has some noise, and I I never time it right. It's always like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> and all of a sudden you are
0: like, damn it. So there is no car chasing in no, eighty for Brady. No, no, there
2: is no Michael Bay explosions or anything like that. But uh, would I recommend eighty for Brady? No, no,
0: no, no. It got decent reviews on Rotten Tomatoes, just a touch above average. A movie that's doing very well, Creed 3, with Michael B. Jordan, who's been on our show, getting totally great reviews.
2: How many movies have they made with the Rocky franchise?
0: So there'd be Rocky 1 through 5, and then the modern Rocky Balboa would be the Mm 6th, and then I think there's three Three Creed movies, at least nine,
2: right? How many billions?
1: Oh, boy. Well, yeah.
2: the, the Creed movies are good. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Michael B. And I think he directs this one. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But he's in pretty good shape. <laughs> not as in good a shape as the guy he, oh. he fights against. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that guy. No, that guys He looks like he could
1: be a professional bodybuilder. We just watched uh, Rocky Four this weekend. Yeah. And let me tell you one thing about that movie. <laughs> Wait, wait. Are you just getting around to Rocky? Like, what made you go, "Hey, Rocky Four? I uh, think we're ready for this. You know what? We <laughs> usually do like a movie night at my house on Fridays, and what, there are the two most painful conversations to have are, "What do you want to eat?" and "What do you want to watch?" And so we kind of set parameters sometimes where it's just like, uh, "All right, Creed is out, so just find a Rocky movie." You know what I mean? And then you just oh. kind of pick the movie like that. Okay. Um, and so anyway, we watched Rocky Four. And that movie wastes no time whatsoever. It's only like 90 minutes long. You get in. I'm going to, spoiler alert, um, you, uh, Apollo dies. Rocky what, agrees what to the fight and trains, and then they fight. <laughs> and it's like, that's it. They just, there's no other conflict. There's no other like, well, I don't know, maybe I shouldn't do this or whatever. He has one fight with his wife and is like, all right, see, I'm going to Russia. Too soon, bro. That's it. Mm-hmm. I just appreciate that there's not, they didn't feel the need to drag it out to two hours.
6: Yeah, Marv. And that workout montage, the heart's on fire. Oh, dude. It's almost as good as "You're the Best Around" from the Karate Kid. Yes. you the best. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what this is gonna do to help me win this fight, yeah.
3: but on fire. it's
1: So good. I love too that the lyrics are like, "You've taken the fight." You know, like it's literally a man against
3: man. Like
1: it's exactly what's happening in the thing. It's a great montage, though. Hmm. One of the old-time
2: montages, movie
1: history. Yeah, because it's like 30 minutes long. By the way, Academy Awards are next (laughs) Sunday, aren't they? They are. Oh, wow. Top Gun Maverick will probably clean sweep. Well, okay. Because it saved the movie industry,
2: apparently.
1: Steven Spielberg
7: came out
2: and and said Tom Cruise saved movie theaters. Saved them. Single-handedly. That doesn't mean he's going to get the Academy Award. Lifetime achievement. Yes, he should. Yes, Paul.
0: I think Tom Cruise saved him for Tom Cruise. As long as he keeps making movies that are blockbusters, <laughs> he'll do well in the theaters.
2: I think he does well outside the theaters. I think he does well with streaming his movies. I saw a stunt that he did. It's
0: He drives a motorcycle, and he's wearing a parachute. Yeah, he, he drives, drives right out. off the cliff. That's actually him? Yeah. Wow, man. Yes. How is that insured, or how is that approved?
2: Well, I'm going to guess, go to Tom and say, Tom, yeah. do you approve this? <laughs> yes, I do. Okay,
1: go ahead. That's like one of the best parts of watching movies at home now is that you get all the add-ons when you rent it or whatever, yeah. and every Mission Impossible has making of the stunts, and they show him how he actually did all of these climbs or he's hanging out of a plane or whatever. It's pretty awesome. He saved the movie industry. Single-handedly. Yes, he did. With one yes, he crappy did. movie. Over.
2: What? Oh. I'm sorry. Why how can you say that?
1: It wasn't cra- actually it was it was very entertaining. It just what is an Oscar worthy. It was a very entertaining movie. Yes it was. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was. It's exactly what I thought it was going to be. Yeah. And I enjoyed I appreciated that.
2: I remember when we kept saying when are they going to do a Top Gun sequel and Paulie goes I already got the script written. Paulie gave me the script. I went to see it, and he goes, and? I go, you nailed the script there. <laughs> I boy. made it, like
1: years ahead of time. <laughs> yes,
2: he did. That's exactly what it was. Yes. He had a beach scene, tossing the football, shirts are off.
1: Love Man, interest. Yeah. sons come back. Yeah. Yeah. He comes back. He's the rebel. He's the maverick. He's got to jump back in the plane. Yeah. Save the day. Save the day. Love interest. Yeah.
2: Oh, yeah. Jennifer Conley. Love interest. I loved his love interest. Yes, Paulie. That's probably Tom Cruise's genius, though. He gives
0: the audiences what they want. It's like these Creed movies. There's not a big curveball. It's not like Creed goes to college. It's, it's, he's going to fight some <laughs> dude, and he's going to probably, there's going to be some trials and tribulations yeah. midway through the movie, Creed and then he's going to kick come someone's come. ass at the end.
1: Yeah, a little bit of self-doubt. It can can
0: overcomes it. Creed get through college algebra? Creed goes to Europe to find himself. No, he's going to beat someone's Creed, ass. Creed does goes- yoga in India for a month. <laughs>
2: Like, oh. Creed goes into a dark place for four days and right. comes out, and he decides he's going to play for the Jets. There it is. <laughs> I like how there's a report that that Derek Carr is leaning towards the Jets. Like literally, like is he is he leaning or what's that mean? He's leaning. And and does Derek Carr get to make the choice here? Is, is it the Jets who say, mm, you know what, hold on here? I'm I'm leaning, leaning towards the Jets over Carolina and the Saints. Yes, Tom?
6: I thought it was more the Jets are the Jets leaning toward him. I know he wants to make it sound like he's got his pick of the litter of Carolina, the Saints, But and the I Jets.
2: think it's f- the phrase is that he's leaning towards the Jets. Is that right?
6: Yeah, that's
4: what I heard, but it sounded weird to me, too. Like, isn't it the Jets that are deciding whether they want to go all in on Derek
3: Carr as their quarterback? But then there
2: was another report that it basically the Saints are ready to make an offer to bring in Derek Carr. And then you have the Carolina Possibility here. Anthony Richardson is—is uh, is he done with his uh, pro days and uh, or his uh, combine days? All the
0: measurables are in. Tomorrow is hand size Tuesday, Ooh. so I can't spoil that. But Anthony Richardson, the Florida quarterback, yeah. measured six foot four, even two hundred and forty-four pounds. Two forty-four. Two forty-four. That's official. He's that's
2: like Dante Culpepper, man. Right,
0: and six four two. That's a probably Cam Newton measured at six foot four. I think Cam may have been just a touch heavier, but I got to check that. He ran a 4.43 40-yard dash, which would be good for a wide receiver or a running back. And he crushed everyone in the vertical jump, the broad jump, and everything else.
2: I don't know if those things mean anything. And he throws the ball so hard. I don't want my quarterback who throws it extremely hard. I want him to be extremely accurate and have a catchable ball. But – He's got all the measurables, which still bring me back to didn't complete. I think he completed like 58% of his passes. And his numbers were okay. I think he rushed 600 yards. Uh, you know, what do you have? Like 16 touchdowns, eight interceptions? Yeah, I'm pulling. Yeah,
0: his last year at Florida, Anthony Richardson, it was his third year, but he's considered a sophomore. He was a 54% passer, 2,500 yards, 17 touchdowns, and nine picks.
2: Yeah, he, I mean, that's. They're okay. That doesn't jump out at me but the highlights in a that positive were, way.
0: The highlights that were posted in September though are yes. what a lot of people remember.
2: Yes. When he was he was a uh, you know, he won the Heisman in the September in September. September Heisman. September VP is what we called him, right? I think. But uh Anthony Richardson it's and now it feels like it's Bryce Young, then Anthony Richardson, then CJ Stroud, then Will Levis. But we got a lot of time before the draft. You're going to get... And everybody's pro day. It's rare when somebody has a bad pro day. And I'm sure Anthony Richardson is going to have an incredible pro day where he rolls left, throws back right for 60 yards, just like Zach Wilson did. But, you know, I love Dan Campbell of the Lions. We grade on tape, game tape, not guys running in their pajamas. Yes, Marv?
6: The upside is through the roof, Dan. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Hot take. And here's Anthony Richardson, the quarterback at Florida. And that is a 449. All right, let me take a break. Play of the day is up next. Phone calls as well. We'll dive into the Ja Morant story after this. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app Sounds good when it kicks in. If it ever would, it would, it will. Here we go. Here, go right here, all together now. Yeah. No. no. I think Stuart Scott had a strikeout call. Um, you, you gotta, you can't stay here. Um, Something about can't go home, go home, but you, but you don't. You can't stay here. Yeah, yeah I think Stewart would have that with a uh, called third strike. Yeah, oh. I think Stewart was. You got to get the hell up out of here, if I remember right. We did that too. Yeah, that was one of our favorites. Yeah, booyah! Right, we'll get the phone calls coming. Oh, what do we have here, no O'Connor? We need some. We have breaking news here. Do we have Derek Carr breaking news? Source
1: sources dead. No, no.
2: Let's play the game. Do you have a report on where Derek Carr could be headed? Yes. Okay, let's play the Derek Carr is going to... Todd, I'll start with you.
6: The New Orleans Saints. The New
2: Orleans Saints. Marvin. Carolina Panthers. All right, Paulie. Oh,
1: Marv just threw a curveball at me. Saints. I'm going to go Saints as well. Seton O'Connor. This team has emerged as a front runner. Oh, okay. An agreement could be reached... As early as today. Okay. Not earlier than today. Not earlier okay. than today, but maybe as soon as today. Okay. And the words closing in on a contract. Closing yes. in. Your New Orleans Saints. Yay.
2: Yay! yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Yay.
5: Yay.
2: Yay. I talked to um, uh, NFL scout and said, if I'm Derek Carr, I would take the easy way out and go to the NFC South and not go to the Jets. And I go, yeah, but if you win with the Jets, he goes. You're not gonna. He's not gonna win with the Jets right away. Yeah, Paul. Best starting
0: quarterback today in the NFC South would be Desmond Ritter with the Falcons, Derek Carr with the Saints, the Panthers. I guess it's it's technically Sam Darnold still. Yeah, or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with Kyle Trask. Trask. Derek Carr may be the best quarterback in this conference. Oh, he is instantaneously. Oh yeah,
2: absolutely. <laughs> yeah. But if he had gone to the Jets, he could be a first ballot Hall of Famer, according to the Jets. All right, so he's they're, they're closing in on, on Derek Carr with the Saints. As early as today. All right. But there was a report earlier where he's leaning towards the Jets. Is that right? Or were the Jets leaning towards him? Mm-hmm. I can't get... I, he's leaning away from the Jets, isn't he? Todd, is Dan Orlovsky going to join us?
6: He is. Uh, we should be hearing from him in the uh, next few minutes or so.
1: Okay. And he left... Where he had, uh, what, it was Russell Wilson, uh, Patrick, Patrick Mahomes, Mahomes, Justin Herbert, yeah. and now look at the other names he's with. Yeah. Hey. He no looks, offense. Yeah. He
2: looks around. He's like, I'm the man in the NFC South. My conference. Uh, yeah. Who's, who's the man? I'm the man. My conference. Yeah. Stat of the day brought to you by Panini America, the official trading cards of the Dan Patrick Show. We mentioned earlier, 18 players. Have scored uh, scored thirty or more points on Sunday, the most thirty-point games in one day in NBA history, breaking a record that stood uh, stood for a long, long time. It was set last month, and uh, feels like uh, come on down, everybody gets thirty at least. And I can't can't blame all of this on the Houston Rockets or the San Antonio Spurs because they're usually coughing up. Certainly, the Rockets a big game. All right, uh, we'll talk to Orlovsky coming up. Uh, Sean in Florida. While we wait, best and worst of the weekend, Sean.
4: Hey, good afternoon, Dan and Danette. Uh six five one eighty-five. Hey. Um just a shout out real quick. It's a good uh good month to be a Florida quarterback. Kyle Trash is gonna take over that NFC South. But anyways, best and best of the weekend. Um all wrapped around a little hate of Draymond Green, but Anthony Davis went off for thirty nine on him. <laughs> He averages a double-double against Draymond Green because uh, Draymond's trash. And then uh, Chris Rock in the special also made fun of Draymond. So I thought that was pretty, pretty.
2: All right. Well Thank you, Sean. Yeah, I think there's a few people who aren't afraid of Draymond Green. I mean, Russell Westbrook's not going to take a jumper, but Draymond's not locking people down. Hasn't locked people down in a while. Joe in Myrtle Beach. Hi, Joe. What's on your mind?
4: First time, long time, 5'10", uh, 175. I'm going to share my, uh, I'm going to go worse than best. Uh, worst of the weekend. I uh, got a vasectomy. Uh, end of the last week. Uh, best of the weekend, I've opened a 24-hour... Wait a minute,
2: wait a minute. How was the process of getting a vasectomy?
4: You know, it wasn't too bad. Uh, one day of ice, uh, restaurant recovery, didn't keep the, kept the kids off of me. Okay. Um... But no, the process went well. It was a uh, stayed awake for it, had uh good conversations with the doctor. I was kind of unsure if I should be looking at him in the eyes or not. <laughs> um, but they yeah. but they numb you? Uh yeah, it's like uh it's it, I mean, it's like getting a a shiny
2: arm, but it's in a little different uh, sensitive area. When uh, when can you resume relations? Uh this is the dumb part. Is they uh, they say nothing
4: more than ten pounds for seven to fourteen days, but hey, get back on the train after five.
2: Okay. All right. Uh Your yeah. best. Your best of the weekend was what?
4: I, I opened a twenty-four hour amusement park.
2: <laughs> In Myrtle Beach.
4: Yeah, yeah. It's. Um, I, I think the only person that's allowed to come is my wife. But um, you know, I think Tyler took my call. He asked if he could join next time he comes to Myrtle. I think
2: he's got to sign a waiver or two. I. Joe, are you still under medication? No, I'm not under ma- medication oh, anymore, Dan. Okay, all right. I just wanted to make sure there. But uh, good luck there, Joe. Uh, sounds like the light going on there. Dan Orlovsky of The Mothership, ESPN football analyst. You can watch him on <laughs> NFL Live weekdays at 4. You like a smooth segue from a vasectomy to Dan Orlovsky, who joins us on the program, who has, who has a lot of kids.
5: Dan, uh, good morning also a vasectomy i do have a lot of kids oh you did do a vasectomy yeah yeah funny story dan so good morning great to be with you we had we have my wife and i have triplet sons they're 11 right now so we have three boys we had the three boys we had gotten to like they were three and a half years old just about you could imagine having triplets three and a half years what that span of time was like we had just like traveled with them and done it easily they had just become like of diapers all that stuff and i was like yo we made it and my wife and i had kind of agreed all right we're not gonna have another kid because our big fear was a fourth boy and then you're always the boy of the triplets you're the brother of the triplets and um i had a vasectomy planned we went on a trip to napa with friends i had a vasectomy (laughs) planned for the week after on the plate ride home my wife's like i don't feel good i jokingly go like oh you're pregnant you know (laughs) long story short she was pregnant and um uh, so the vasectomy got delayed a year but I finally got it done. <laughs> uh a
2: very potent Dan Orlovsky joining us uh, ah, ah, uh, on the program. Ah. Uh, speaking of which Anthony Richardson uh, certainly came away as the uh, the combined darling here. I always get nervous when we have these combined darlings here. We we fall in love with numbers here.
5: Yeah. Um are are you all in on Anthony Richardson? Yeah, I have been, honestly, since the first game of his that I called in college football, Dan. Like, I called one of his first games in college football at Florida, and I just remember being on air going, why is he not the starting quarterback? Yes. You you know, and and these coaches, like Dan Mullen I have – tremendous amount of respect for with the, with the transfer stuff that goes on in the NIL, It's such a delicate balance of trying to what quarterback it's no longer just play the bet. Like, I feel like these, they got to massage all these situations so much. So, um, but every game I called of his, I was always just like, this kid is so super talented. And then the more you heard about him, how intelligent he is, how hard he works, the character, all that stuff. And I just think of kind of, Taking a quarterback in the draft we know is, you know, good luck. Roll the dice type of thing. If you're rolling the dice, if you're taking your chance, you, you're big, you're fast, you're strong, you're powerful, you're a natural thrower, you have great intelligence, you work really hard, you've got good leadership skills and good character. Where it, Where is the glaring, oh my gosh, he might fail? And I would, I would say this about him. Um, everyone talks about the completion percentage, right? 53%. If we broke it down, I did this for Josh Allen when he's coming out because I thought that was a crock of crap as well. This is like two more completions a game. He's at like 61% completion percentage. Two completions a game? We're talking a throwaway. We're talking a mischeckdown. We're not talking these glaring issues, at least I don't see. And while I understand the combine pause on the numbers, we can't take it for granted either. I mean, what he is is incredibly talented
2: okay but you say this and you're you're gonna look at josh allen but you're also using the same kind of comparison with anthony richardson anthony richardson plays for florida in the sec and josh allen lost all of his receivers there that last year when he was at wyoming so i i can't i can't buy into those comparisons between the two
5: florida had very little talent this year I mean, I'm not – Well, they didn't have wanna,
2: Wyoming talent. They had better talent than Wyoming did. Josh lost his receivers after his his junior year there.
5: It was but, – but, I mean, th- this is a kid who, one, new coaching staff with Billy Napier. Two, um, so he's learning a new system. Two, their number one receiver was uh, – I think he was the transfer from Arizona State he's not going to go play in the NFL, or unlikely. I mean, he, I don't think he has a single offensive – I don't think Anthony Richardson had a single offensive player um, skill-wise outside of ETN's little brother that is going to be an NFL player.
2: Well, we know Josh Allen didn't have that.
5: Correct. But Josh Allen wasn't playing against – um, Tennessee and Alabama and, and Georgia. And, I mean, Josh Allen wasn't playing against those guys either. So, that's my – like, that's – well, I understand that. We're talking, uh, you know, like having very little help in the SEC conference. Okay. But you see you know? the,
2: the, his player comp is Josh Allen?
5: That's for me, yes, because that's where I think the the, the path is. Like, that's okay. where – every and I think Josh – well, what I liked about Josh coming out of school was Josh was a very loose thrower, like – It wasn't tight. That's why I keep saying he's a very natural thrower. Like, you know it, Dan, you better watch a guy pick up a ball and throw. Yeah, he was born to do that. I think Anthony has that natural throwing motion.
2: Okay, who takes him? Who should take him? If you were advising, you would say, this team, take him.
5: Yeah, I'll give you three. Um, I think Indy, Houston, and Carolina – should very much so be entertaining him taking him Mm. i dan i said this this morning on get up if you're an afc team and you don't have a really 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 good quarterback what are your chances in the next eight years with patrick josh joe justin herbert trevor lawrence i mean what are your chances with those teams you got those are five I'm not even putting two what Tua becomes Lamar. And, and Lamar situation so if you're if you're Indian you're Houston you're sitting there going if we don't have a really good player that is physically talented and can go toe-to-toe with those guys what are our chances no matter what our roster is and then Carolina just because I think I could put any of these quarterbacks in Carolina then I just think it's a tremendous situation it's the best situation for a rookie quarterback to go into this year so I could put any guy at that spot
2: would you take Richardson over Bryce
5: Young I wouldn't Uh, if if I was the general manager I wouldn't I think Bryce is a uniquely skilled player that has all, all the attributes that you look for like I think Bryce the only way Bryce doesn't become a very good pro is because he can't can't hold up and that's a real thing for people like they they're gonna they're gonna say yes we're okay with it or no we're not and I understand that if you're in the no I'm not camp if you're not okay with his size then you probably take Anthony if you're okay with his size because his tape is the best and most impressive tape since Joe Burroughs tape in college He's the guy that does the most stuff. You go, that's what it looks like since Joe. <laughs> but
2: are you um, a believer in product of your environment that you're going to can, can he hold up in Chicago or would he be better served playing half of his game indoors in Houston or Indy?
5: I mean, I think any quarterback is better served than indoors. You know, I, I, I think so. I definitely would say that, yeah, that's probably the benefit. And, I, like, here's the big challenge for you, more than the weather, Dan, is if you're an organization that you think you can draft and develop good offensive linemen, then, then you're in a good place because you're going to keep him clean. And just, I've said this, go watch his Texas game. Just go watch that game. Yeah. Go watch the Tennessee game and watch how much he operates in like very small spaces and count the amount of big hits he takes in those games. I understand it's the different level in the NFL. I get all that, but just watch him move. And it's almost the Lamar conversation a little bit. How Lamar doesn't take massive shots because of his short space, just feel and awareness. Bryce has got that as well. I don't think he has to play inside, but I think it's a benefit, sure.
2: Derek Carr and the Saints, it looks like that could be close to happening. Your thoughts about that?
5: Yeah, I always felt like the the news from this morning of the, the Derek Carr leaning towards the Jets was a Jets kind of gamesmanship thing. Hey, Aaron, we need a decision here to get the ball rolling on this. I think Derek's a good player. The, the Saints oh, are Oh, you think 55- the
2: Jets were playing – they they were trying yeah. to toy with uh Aaron Rodgers.
5: Yeah, let's go. We need we need like, the time is of the essence here. Okay. That's what I thought it was, okay. a, a gamesmanship play because it just had seemed that they were attached to Aaron forever and I knew Derek, you know, wanted to get a decision done. Um the Saints, I think of the last week and that might it might be a little bit of a different number because I think they have reworked some contracts for 55 million dollars over the cap. Yeah. So while yes, I like Derek's fit there what does the team look like because they're going to have to get rid of somebody or move money around somehow to fit his deal under there so i just want to see what the makeup of the team is before sitting there and totally making a proclamation but yes the initial starting point is really good spot very young offensive line in some spots that is talented Alave is a superstar so there's initially the the like of that fit for sure.
2: Yeah, I get it. And you're going to the NFC South where he's immediately the best quarterback in the NFC South. But totally. That's not saying totally. too much. Uh, Will Levis was talking a good game. He's got a cannon for an arm and he couldn't wait to show it off. Uh, did you come away impressed?
5: I, I expected Will to throw it really well. The only thing that I get with Will is this, and I like Will. I talked to Will. He's obviously a Connecticut kid. I'm rooting for him. Um, you know, like, I and I said this on the shows last week, I, I, I would play a couple specific clips of his game from last year, like there's a clip where he misses some throws in my naked eye when you watch it, you are like man that's a bad miss. And I would want to play the play for him and just say hey, tell me about what happened on this play. And I think you'll gather so much information from how does he see the field? What is he looking at? What is he being taught? How does he process information? Does he throw his receivers under the bus? Does he throws coaching under the bus because there's some misses on tape where you go that that looks weird and i want to know why that ended up looking that way um and then i think you know for a guy that uh, he's the a little bit different or like the contrast of the the, the anthony richardson for me because anthony for 6'4 240 is loose that's it's kind of josh again like for as muscular as he is he's loose will's a little bit stiffer he's a little bit stockier and i think you know that messes with his lower half and upper half being connected and rhythmic he's gonna have to work really hard to gain rhythm in his passing game super talented and can throw it with anybody i just think you want him to grow with the rhythm of the pass always
2: good to talk to you congratulations on the vasectomy
5: thanks man yeah Glad, glad i got it done played basketball the next morning oh you did yeah, just tough. Connecticut kids are tough, you know. That.
2: <laughs> Do you cars, know, I, I told Lewis Riddick about you with your forty yard dash. He did not know that you cheated to make yourself seem faster when you were recruited by UConn.
5: Lewis barely talked to me in Indy last week at the combine, so
2: that's probably the reason why. <laughs> well, his combine numbers—I think he ran a four-seven forty. Lewis? Yeah, at the combine. That's pretty good for a safety, right? I don't know. He's embarrassed by it. He was like, "Do would, not, have, do not bring I would that have up." Cut a
5: leg off for four seven.
2: But what did you run when you made it a thirty-seven-yard dash?
5: Um, I ran that day. I ran four eight. <laughs> combine. And then at the yeah. combine they just did it this morning. I ran four nine. And I said I told Green, I said Greeny, that was like twelve years of wearing jump soles to school, ankle weights, running with a parachute on my back just to get to <laughs> four nine. So
2: wait, you ran a four nine, and Lewis Riddick ran, ran a
5: four seven two. Yeah, but Lewis is like twenty five years older than me. Not twenty five, maybe fifteen. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, Lou. Yeah, but
2: his time when he ran it and when you ran it, I mean, it doesn't matter. You still ran a forty yard.
5: Then, you know. Basically, what we're getting to is Lewis was not that fast, much faster yes, than me. Yes, Man, that's not going to fly with Lewis that much. But you know what is so bizarre?
2: Me- Mina Kimes ran a 4.64. Four. There's no way. Yeah, she did. The stairs. Unbelievable. Yeah, she benched I, past 225, 13 times
5: and at a vertical 34. I mean. We make fun of Mina all the time because we're she's like, guys, I was such a good varsity look soccer player. And we're like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <cool, man." laughs>
2: Good to talk to you. Thank you, bud. You're the best, bud. That's Dan Orlovsky. You can see him Monday through Friday, NFL Live for Eastern. We'll come back. Phone calls coming up. Back after this. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. What's going on with John Morant, Memphis Grizzlies? And in case you're just joining us, Derek Carr is joining the New Orleans Saints, a four-year deal. We don't know the exact numbers other than it's a four-year deal, but those are uh, some of the headlines. We did uh, reach out to a source with the NBA and asking about, is this a suspension? and uh, I was told that the league is not calling it a suspension. They're still investigating, and the team is not calling it a suspension. It feels like it's just semantics and agreed upon. You need to take some time off right now, and right now it's uh, two games. DeMichael Cole covers the Grizzlies, beat writer for the Memphis Commercial Appeal. He joins us now. Uh, Update us on anything uh, if you can, DeMichael. Thanks for joining us.
3: Thank you for having me, Dan, but you pretty much just stated some of the latest there. Uh, I think the main question that people have had is, uh, is this the NBA, you know, kind of assisting the Grizzlies uh, with this situation with John Morant uh, stepping away from the team? From what we know, uh, this is more, you know, the Grizzlies' decision to have John Morant step away from the from the team. And, and in regard to the NBA, there's still an ongoing investigation there.
2: Let's go back a year ago, that, you know, we could root for Memphis and it felt like they were an underdog story. Uh, certainly, you were getting highlights from them and Ja every night, and, you know, we were rooting for them and him. And then all of a sudden, I just, I saw them change as if they had been the Golden State Warriors, like they were cocky, you know. They hadn't won anything, and I don't know if you noticed a change in Ja Morant as well. Did, did this all just happen Uh, With John, the last year, and nothing else attached to it,
3: brighter lights, Dan. Just, just brighter lights. I mean, you know, covering the Grizzlies over the past two seasons from a personality perspective, from John and the team. uh, This is who he's been. This is who the team been in terms of you know playing with that you know that flamboyant style, you know that 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 confidence. You know, all the alley-oops, all of the, you know, the trash-talking. They were trash-talking everyone last season the same way that they are this season. But last season, they were the darlings, right? They were this up-and-coming team. Wow, they're not afraid of the Warriors. They're not afraid of this team. They're not afraid of Kevin Durant. But then this year, it's like, (laughs) what have these guys done? Like, why are they talking? So, it's it's kind of a different perspective of how people view the Grizzlies, but getting back to more in the case of John Morant. Uh, this is he he kind of is a is a different type of person, Dan. He, in a way, you know, with all the social media things that he does, he prides himself on being one of the few athletes. This is something he said. He prides himself on being one of the few athletes who will show you his real life. You know, he he doesn't hide the fact that he'll go out sometimes late at night. But guess what? He'll let you know that he's gonna get up early that next morning, you know, to get back in the gym and things like that. So this is this is no secret you know uh, to, to us uh, on who he has been but it's more of the you know the outside antics and some of those things kind of accumulating to the point where now everyone's saying Ja you know you have to take a step back
2: how did he get a gun in Denver? why did he have a gun in Denver?
3: so from what we've heard Dan uh there's been no you know confirmation on whether it was his gun whether it was an actual you know gun at all so uh that is part of the nba's ongoing investigation from what i've been told that's one of the things uh that you know is being you know heavily looked at uh, according to you know the nba rules uh the nba rules prohibits you know guns you know in locker rooms on team planes and and around team facilities so if that is the case you know, there could be some heavy punishment coming along the lines. But, again, from what we've heard up to this point, there is no indication uh, on if or if it isn't, you know, a gun. Are these
2: – is this all just a coincidence that all this has happened with John or with his guys this past year? Like nothing else was happening off the court with John Morant prior to a run-in at the mall, uh, playing pickup with a kid at his at his house – uh, you know, his his boys pointing a you know a laser uh, light or whatever at the Pacers. I mean, this just this is new. All this stuff is just happening now.
3: It again, it goes back to those those brighter lights for him, right? You know, I remember early on in his his career, his first couple seasons, right? John Morant. You know, it wasn't uncommon to see him show his face, you know, around Memphis. You know and people would come tell me hey look i saw john moran at this place i saw john moran at that place but he he has a little bit of a different light on him now dan and again that's where we go back to he's 23 years old he has the weight you know of of the grizzlies franchise on his shoulder he is arguably you know the biggest athlete to come through you know the city of memphis up to this point and He's one of the faces of the NBA. He's one of the faces of Nike. He is the face of Powerade, you know, at this point. And then there's Hulu, Body Armor, so so much more at stake here. So I think what we're seeing is there are a lot of warnings issued out. Then you know, Ja, be careful, Ja, be careful. And now it's to the point he has so much more on the line. Uh, You're seeing. You know, these situations where, you know, there's things are being reported more on, you know, intensively and things like that. So uh, that's where we are right now. And it's it's simple. You know, yes, he's only 23 and, you know, he's only been in the league four years. But John Morant has a contract that could be worth more than two hundred and thirty million dollars next season. He has a, a sneaker deal with Nike that will, you know a sneaker that debuts in april so he has a lot to weigh here and that's why all of this heat is coming right now because he simply has too much to gain and a whole lot to lose
2: what role does his dad play he's he's always there uh certainly at the home games
3: yeah he he's there on the road too is his dad is is there everywhere and was his dad in denver <laughs> I'm not sure if his dad was in Denver, but, I mean, he, I will say earlier this season, you know, he was there in Denver. He was in L.A. uh, when they went on the road earlier this season, and pretty much he goes to the majority of the away games. So the thing about his dad is they have a great relationship, as, you know, most people uh, can see, and he does challenge Ja. You know, Ja will tell anyone that his dad is his biggest critic. His dad is, you know, his biggest hater. Sometimes and what I've gathered, you know, just from talking to T over the years, you know, he challenges Ja in in ways. But you know, sometimes people question, you know, if if T is, you know, saying some of the right things to Ja, and you know, from the conversations I've had with the people around them, T does seem like he's, you know, telling Ja, you know, hey, you know, you know, what's at stake here right now. But you know, Ja Morant again, he does have you know, mind of his own. And sometimes, you know, that seems to be the case when, you know, he, he does things that uh, kind of fall back on into his hands sometimes.
2: You got a big story on your hands there. DeMichael, <laughs> thank you for joining us. Appreciate
3: you, Dan. No problem.
2: That's uh, DeMichael Cole. He covers the Grizzlies, a beat writer, Memphis commercial appeal. Well, that'd be
1: an interesting story if dad was in Denver with him. Yeah, see. Yeah, the the thing I've been thinking about, though, with T. Moran is because he's getting a lot of criticism here yeah. about is he too much of uh, his son's friend and yeah. not being his father. But, you know, I, we can't forget that T. Moran also did well enough to get Joe to this point as a father. Right. Yeah. So, oh, so I, I can some, give him credit.
2: But then also, you know, this is when it is really important to understand with the bright lights and the money yeah. and, and everything that come now is when you need guidance. I, I'm sure that you got it when you were growing up, and uh, helped him get to this point.
1: Now is what this is the guidance that's most important. I mean, maybe we're reading a little too much into a guy sitting courtside, you know? Well, I'm all, I'm going by what uh, guys
2: who cover the NBA, Stephen A. Smith, uh, Jay Williams, you know, these guys are around the league, and you know, I'm I'm listening to what they're telling me about the relationship, and you get to the point where. Now your son's the breadwinner. Do you look at him differently? Does he look at you differently? And I don't know that. But I think, I think you have to ask these questions because what's at stake? You know, this wasn't something that was silly. This was something that was could have been very, very serious. And that's why you have to ask these serious questions. Before it becomes serious, now you have to ask those questions. And his father and his mother did a great job you know, they raised him, he had a chip on his shoulder, nobody wanted to give him a scholarship, got a scholarship, and, and then I wondered if he had the outside shot to be a star in the NBA. Proved me wrong. But these are things on the court he can take care of. The stuff off the court, I don't care how athletic you are, you got to be smart. And he hasn't been smart. But you're only 23. Yeah, Paul.
0: I know it's apples and oranges with the accusations and not comparing the two guys, but if you look at Michael Vick, Michael Vick was the most popular most popular player in almost all sports, but definitely in football. And I wonder if Michael had gotten in trouble for something smaller a couple of years before the whole dogfighting thing broke. Would that have been a chance for him to get away from that? But it,
2: I don't think he looked at dogfighting the way we look at dogfighting. He grew up in a culture. And, and, and Mike explained that. You know, once again... I went to prison with Michael when he with Tony Dungy and he was proselytizing with these inmates. He was telling them, hey, don't do what I did. He was he was trying to have them have some kind of, uh, you know, awake awakening here. But in his mind, Mike didn't look at he didn't look at dogs the way we look at dogs. Like this was a sport that he grew up with. Of course, it's wrong. And he went to prison for it, and and he has, you know, since regretted that, and and certainly uh, done a lot of things to try to help with the the dog community. Even had to ask permission to be able to have a dog for his kids. And I I just think you get to that point. It's different than if you said that John Morant grew up in this environment. Then okay, I understand that you you could be there with your guys or everybody carries a gun. Uh, you know, Jalen Rose, who I have great respect for. Jalen on the broadcast said, look, I've been there. But Jalen didn't have a father growing up, came from inner city Detroit, and he said, look, there are people who wanted to kill me. And I'm there with the gun. You know, I'm, I'm that kid, and the, and the you know, lights are brighter on you. But he eventually got out of that, and he realized that if I'm, I stay in this world, I'm not going to survive, or I'm not going to succeed. And that's what John Moran has to understand, is somebody who will tell him when he's wrong. And hopefully his dad has his ear, or he'll listen to that. Because if not, this is going to be a cautionary tale. And that's why I'm not condemning him. He did something stupid. We've all been stupid when we're young. But you can can do something positive here. Let's do it before something happens. And somebody who covers the NBA said last night, if I know you have a gun, that's one thing. But if you show me you have a gun, it means something different. It's a different language to different people in different communities. And John Morant showing he's got a gun on Instagram live is just irresponsible. But it could be worse. It could be something where somebody gets shot. And that's that's the thing I think most people are – because he,
6: he's a story to root for. It really is.
2: But he's not helping his story at all. Yeah, Mark?
6: Yeah, I think that uh, investing in security is just so important because obviously he is a target, or you know, most professional athletes are. But I think that can just save you so many problems. You've seen that over and over again with different athletes carrying guns and shooting guns and things like that. I think security Hire is Hire
2: security right. if you go to Denver and you're going out. Hire a driver if you're going out. Those are things that you have the money, and, and, and then they can be the people who are going to protect you if if you need that. But you don't – if you're going to a strip club and you got a gun, why are you going to the strip club? Like why do you need to carry a gun in Denver? Those are the questions I would certainly love answers to. How'd you get the gun in Denver? Did you take the gun to Denver? Was your dad with you in Den like you just kind of shake your head?
6: Yeah, more. I think actually this might be the wake up call because of all the publicity this is getting. And look, he's probably getting talked to from Nike under Armor, you know, not Nike, not under Armour, but uh Powerade yeah. and all those other sponsors yeah. that are just right but there But is for he him.
2: listening? Is he that's what matters the most is I'm going to listen to you. Like who is who's he going to they can talk to him but is he listening? And that's what my fear would be with this is maybe you think you're smarter than what you are. Hey, I got money. You know, I can I can figure my way out of these things. Nike's got a shoe coming out April 1st. His shoe People got a lot of money invested in him, and you're the face of the franchise. And I get it. There's pressure that goes along with it, but you're going to release pressure. I don't need you to have a gun on Instagram going live at a strip club with your shirt off. How about we do Pilates? (laughs) How about we do, uh, you know, spin? Something. Yes, Paul?
0: If you go back to when we had Johnny Manziel on right before the draft, remember he was a fun guy in college, all the party videos and stuff. You talk to him about this kind of stuff, and you, I can remember all his answers to you. Dan, that was my past. I'm ready to get focused on being a, a new man, going to Cleveland, doing the right thing. I'm about being a freshman. He said all the right things to us. And you go back and watch that interview, you're like, wow, Johnny Manziel, he's totally grown up. He told us what we wanted to hear.
2: He did. He did For that, 20 minutes. And he did that to teams as well. Johnny Manziel was smart enough to understand, I'll tell you exactly what you want to hear. But he kept thinking he was smarter than everybody. And I remember we had somebody reached out to uh, one of Johnny's friends to help him. I had Ryan Leaf reach out to him, and he would not accept any help. And I said, "You're going to be at 26; it's going to be over." And it
1: was. And nobody cares about Johnny Manziel. Yes, he- because most of his supporters were like, "Well, what trouble has he ever gotten in?" You know, he, he hadn't gotten in any trouble. He hadn't gone. So there was a there was very much a mixed conversation around. Does this kid have a problem or not? You know?
2: Well, he had a party problem that we found out later. That that he he did not put in the time at all. And then when he got to Cleveland, he didn't put in the time. He didn't put in the effort. He thought he's Johnny Manziel. I'll figure this out. Now, there are apples to oranges there because Johnny Manziel didn't carry a gun. Uh, he wasn't pointing a laser, his buddies, I mean, that we know of. But he wasn't doing some of these stupid things. He was doing other stupid things like, hey, I need a weekend off. Can I go to Vegas? And he goes to Vegas. Like, there's a red flag right there. That ain't my quarterback. But it's a cautionary tale. It just is. You have it. You think you're invis- invincible. Uh, you think you're invisible as well. Like, I can get away with these things. And you can't. It catches up with you at some point. It does.
6: Yeah, Mark. The yeah, best best case scenario is that this is just a turning point. Hopefully. In, in 10 years, man, I was just, you know, I was wild at 23. I, I'll
2: take in two years. Like When he's 25, I hope he goes, man, you know what? I didn't realize it. Or I, I thought I could get away with this. Or, you know, whatever his rationale is going to be. Maybe he just says, I don't know what I was thinking. And maybe that's probably what's going on. I don't know what I'm thinking. Yeah, more.
6: And I think uh, professional athletes sometimes we feel like they're dogs. Like in age-wise, like you're 23, <laughs> you, you have to mature. But he's only 23. I know he's doing something incredibly stupid, but he's really got to, uh, you know, grow up. Hopefully, this would be the turning point. I believe in Ja.
2: Well, I don't know him, but I, I hope others know. You know, that's. I think we met him once, and he was nice.
6: Oh, wishful thinking for my part. I don't know him either.
2: Well, no, because uh, I think it was Jalen Rose who says, I know that he'll he'll come back from this. We don't know that. We can hope that he does, but we don't know that. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app.